I'd like to ask you to turn your Bible once again uh, to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2 and verse number 7. Uh, we preached from this text this morning. I was prepared for another uh, message tonight, and it just seemed like we didn't get but one point on the message this morning. It just seemed like the Lord kept nudging our heart this afternoon to go back to that text again tonight and to pick up on the grace of God. I'll be conscious of the hour tonight. I'm so grateful for our pastor giving us a time to be able to preach. And one of the greatest honors of our ministry is to be able to preach in this pulpit here at Bible Baptist Church. And I'm very, very grateful that the Lord has been good to us and I can testify with everyone else. God's been far better to me than I deserve. And I'm grateful for his blessings. I want to say tonight how grateful I am for Mrs. Ellis. Uh, she has been a great uh, wife and companion over the years and continues to be so. And she has tenderly and gingerly cared for my mother as if she was her own. And I just want to say publicly tonight how grateful I am for her and her heart for the Lord and also for the family. In the book of Ephesians chapter number 2 now, let's stand in reverence to the reading of the Word of God. If you're able to stand, we'll preach tonight on the subject matter of grace covers it all. I thought we were going to be able to have testimony after testimony after testimony tonight that continued to, though it did not directly speak of the grace of God, it referenced the grace of God. And I was sitting there praying to get out of the banks and I wouldn't even bother having to preach tonight. I enjoy being in the church services where people testify and give God the glory and God the honor. God knows we've been in enough of them over these 41 years of ministry where the devil gets more praise than God does. It's good to be in a church tonight where God's getting all the glory and the praise. And I thought about Brother Barnes giving his testimony about when he was lost and some of those people that profess Christianity uh, should have been in street jackets and locked away. I've been saved for 40, almost 42, going on 43 years. And Brother Barnes, I've seen a few of them now that I believe ought to be in street jackets and locked away. And I'm saved. But anyway, uh, thank God for his marvelous grace and for the miracle of Calvary and his forgiveness of sin. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 7 now tonight. Let's read one verse. Notice, if you would, please, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Fathers, we bow before you tonight. We love you and we thank you for this day that you set before us. Our Father, we're grateful for our church. We're grateful for Calvary. We're grateful for salvation. Lord, we're grateful for the marvelous, wonderful, amazing, sufficient grace of God. Tonight, we thank you for your people. And Lord, we thank you that we're able to gather back again under the roof of the church and in the house of God and worship together. And I pray tonight that you'll bless the preaching of thy word. May you supply every need. Father, it would be in impossible for any of us to know all the hearts, the minds, the troubles, the trials, the burdens, the sorrows, the victories, the triumphs that are represented here in this church tonight. But our Father, thou knowest the heart. You know the inner part of the heart, the secret chambers of the heart and the thoughts of the mind of men. And so tonight I'd ask you that you'll supply the need. And Lord, we'd ask you if there's one here tonight that's never been truly born again, who has never given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, may the Spirit of God convict them, show them their need for salvation. And tonight I pray that you'll help them to be saved by the grace of God. Bless tonight, give us strength, give us clarity of mind and speech and heart, for we ask it in Christ's name and for his sake we pray. Amen. 
and amen. As I mentioned briefly this morning to bring us up to speed for tonight for our text, if you study the three missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul, in his third journey, he based out of Ephesus, and it is there that he would eventually be arrested, and or he would be arrested by the Holy Spirit of God and impressed of the Lord to go into Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that he based out of Ephesus, and then he would eventually go to Jerusalem, and there he would be arrested and bound and make his appeal unto Caesar, and there he would be taken to Rome. And in the providence of Almighty God, he had the opportunity of going and telling and expounding a salvation by grace and sharing the marvelous grace of God with those in Rome. The church at Ephesus was special. It had a special place in the heart of the Apostle Paul. And we find that Paul is writing to them and the Christians in this passage of Scripture, and he simply reminds them he is reflecting and looking forward to the future. He said that in the ages to come. May I say to you tonight, the future is not looking bleak. The future is not looking dark at all. It might for America and the nations of the world, but for the child of God, the future is brighter than it's ever been before. And Paul says to these beloved Ephesians that in the ages to come, and he's looking forward uh, through the years and through eternity, and he says to them that in the ages to come that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. And so it is the will of God, and he tells the uh, Christians at Ephesus, the Ephesians, that, and that local church, he tells him that I want to expound to you, and I want you to look forward to a brighter day when the riches of God's grace will be exposed and revealed to you at Ephesus and all of God's people around the world. And notice he says here, in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Thank God the greatest example of the grace of God is God giving his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who we do not deserve, who we did not uh, deserve the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He shed blood on Calvary. We do not deserve that, but the grace of God extends it to us. And Paul says to the church at Ephesus that I want to reveal to you and I want to look forward of what we have in the future because of the expression of the riches of God's amazing grace that has been bestowed on the church. As we examine the scripture this morning, we want to preach on this subject and extend it tonight on this topic, grace covers it all. I don't care what your need is tonight. I don't care what your troubles and circumstances and trials and tribulation or heartaches or burdens are tonight. I'm here to tell you according to the authority of God's divine word that grace covers it all tonight. There is nothing that the grace of God cannot take care of tonight. The grace of God seems to start in the scriptures. We looked at Genesis this morning on the first word, uh, the first time that grace is used in the Bible. And it is used in the book of Genesis in chapter number 6. After God has pronounced judgment on humanity and he's getting ready to destroy man from off the face of the earth. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And thank God in the midst of chaos and judgment and destruction, we'll find the grace 
grace of God. For where sin doth abound, the grace of God doth more abound. Then we went to the book of Revelation, the closing chapter, the closing verse. And the apostle uh, John made reference to the uh, grace of God. Tonight, I'm thankful for saving grace. Thank God for grace that saved us. Grace that saved you and I and gave us a hope in heaven. I shared with them this morning on the subject matter how John Newton was a vile and corrupt man. And John Newton, his mother had passed away when he was just a young man at six years of age. He desired to be a sailor like his dad. And at 11 years old, he went out with his dad on his first sailing adventure and became a sailor. But he became a vile and wicked man, sinking down into the depths and the despair of sin. And then he eventually became a slave trader, and then a slave of slaves himself. And on a wretched uh, state of condition of mind and heart, he was on a ship at sea, and a violent storm came up. And a storm came over and washed John Newton overboard. And he was going down, sinking in the briny sea in the water. And all of a sudden, his whole life flashed before him. Behind him, another wave came, picked him up, and set him right back in the middle of that deck that he'd been washed off of. And God had showed him his divine and amazing grace. And then and there, John Newton bowed his head and gave his heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And later would pin that song, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. Thank God for saving grace. But there's more about grace tonight than just saving grace. Thank God for salvation and the grace of God. Notice in the book of Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 2. The scripture says, by whom also we have access by faith into, watch this, this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. May I say to you tonight, we're not only, I'm not only saved by grace, I stand in grace. It is the grace of God that empowers me or enables me to stand here on this evening in this pulpit at Bible Baptist Church and open a Bible and preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. When I was a young man, I was so shy, timid, and bashful. You could ask me my name and I'd go to hide behind my mother's uh, skirt or dress. I literally wanted to find a hole and crawl in it. Now, Peggy and her family don't believe that at all. I learned I used to be very quiet and timid, wouldn't talk. And then we got around her. She has 18 siblings. And all, now, Mrs. Ellis tonight, please keep her, if you would, Sister Allen, under check. You get all those ladies together and you cannot hear yourself think. Do you hear me? And they were talking and chattering. And I just learned after a while, they said, Why, what changed you? What happened to you? You used to be so quiet. I said, if I found if I wanted to get a word in, I just had to interrupt and join right in. <laughs> By nature, I'm a shy and timid individual. I wouldn't want to stand here. Yeah. If you'd told me I was going to be a preacher when I was a young man, I'd have laughed at you. I'd thought you was nuts, and I'd have been one of them, like a Brother Barnes spoke of tonight, and thought that you needed to be put in a street jacket and locked up for the rest of your life. I stand in the grace of God. 
Notice what the author says. Grace wherein we stand. And may I say to you tonight, it implies that I have a solid, firm footing and foundation. Tonight, I can stand with confidence. Tonight, I can stand because I have a sure-footedness because of the grace of God. May I say to you, when the storms come in life, we have a sure foundation because of the grace of God. When life is not fair, we can stand because we have a sure foundation in the grace of God. When disappointments come and the heart is broken and wretched, and when we are in disparity and discouragement, we can stand because of the grace of God. When our friends have forsaken us, we can stand because of the grace of God. When, our, when death overtakes and knocks on our death's door, we can stand because of the grace of God. When family has forsaken us and friends have forsaken us and loved ones have forsaken us, we can still stand because of the good grace of Almighty God. When the world has forsaken us and turned their backs on us, we can still stand because of the grace of God. We can stand through it all because of God's grace. Paul, writing to young Timothy in 2 Timothy in chapter number 4 and verse number 16, said at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray that God, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, watch what he said, the Lord stood with me. And Paul said, all the brethren forsook me. Hey, did all not all the disciples forsake Christ when he was arrested and there taken into Pilate's hall in the praetorium in preparation for the crucifixion? And Paul said, all men forsook me, but the Lord stood with me. And my friend, I say to you tonight, God's grace not only saves us, but God's grace allows us to stand with a sure-footed foundation. Now, I have several things tonight, and I'm just going to hit through each of them and just throw a rock at them, and we'll move right on tonight by the grace of God. Just this past week, I had an older preacher say to me, you know, he said, I'll be honest with you. He said, when I was pastoring and involved in evangelism and ministry, he said, I thought I'd faced everything that a preacher had to face. He said, boy, was I a foolish young preacher. He said, I'm looking at things that you are having to deal with today and pastors and preachers and evangelists and missionaries. He said, and what I faced in my youth was pale in comparison to what you're facing today. He said, I don't know how you do it. I said, the same way you did it, the grace of God. It is the grace of God. And may I say to you, my friend, who would ever thought with the social distancing, who would ever thought a pandemic would hit our generation? Who would ever thought that we would have uh, churches in our generation uh, forsaken the Bible and the Word of God? Who would ever thought in our generation that Christians would compromise on their doctrine and their separation and their standards and depart from the Word of God? Who would have ever thought, my brethren, that some would have done it? Men that I have personally sunk substantial amount of time and energy in, even as in recent months have forsaken God and the gospel and turned their backs, I would have never dreamed it. May I say to you tonight, but by the grace of God, and only by the grace of God can we stand. Then notice if you would please in the book of Romans chapter number 3 and verse number 24. 
The Bible says being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Thank God not only am I saved by grace and stand by grace, I'm secured by grace tonight. You see, when he says there that justified freely by his grace, notice this, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, the redemption, the price is paid, I, I'm under new ownership. Thank God I don't believe, I don't belong to the devil and the world's crowd anymore. I've been set free, no longer under the bondage and the penalty of sin. Thank God I am secure because of his grace. Since we did not save ourselves, we cannot keep ourselves. I can no more keep myself than I can save myself from a devil's hell. He saved me. He'll keep me. Philippians 1, 6, the Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. My friend, may I say to you, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and changeth not. What he promised yesterday is good today. What he promised yesterday is not only good today, it's good tomorrow. It'll be good throughout eternity. And if he said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if John 3 16 is true when the Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and if it's true in John's day it's true today I am secured by his grace I couldn't get lost if I wanted to and if you're a child of God neither could you Then notice with me, if you would please, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Then in verse number 8, in chapter 9, verse number 8, he says this, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. May I say to you that grace is all sufficient. I don't need anything else. Grace covers it all. Grace brought me to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace showed me the love of God. He showed me that Christ loved me in spite of myself. May I say to you, my friend, that his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient when I preached my sister's funeral just a few years ago. A year and a half later, his grace was sufficient when I had to stand and preach the funeral of my brother. His grace was sufficient about four years ago when I stood behind the sacred desk and preached the funeral of my dad. And a couple of years prior to that, the grace of God was sufficient when I stood and preached in one year, 11 family members and one friend's funeral services. And now I'm making preparations for the funeral of my mother which outside the divine miracle of almighty God she'll be in his divine presence in the near future and I believe with all of my heart I'll stand before the crowd and the family and I'll have the sufficient grace of almighty God to stand in his grace and proclaim the gospel of Christ he's all sufficient he's all I need grace supplies my every need when my dad passed away, and I know I've shared this here 
You'll forgive me for reminiscing for a moment tonight. But I remember I was sitting in the hospice center there and he was in a comatose state. And had been that way and I'd been up all day and most of the night went to the ministry for a few hours to catch up on some administration. Come back in and was sitting with him and I was so exhausted I literally slumped over in the chair sitting up and fell asleep. And I don't remember the time. It was in the middle of the morning, maybe around 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock or so. All of a sudden, he startled me. He woke me up. He said, I see it. And I said, Dad, what would you see? I was still half out of it. He said, I see it, boy, in a frustrated response. And then it dawned on me. He's seeing something that I can't see. I said, Dad, what does it look like? He said, mm, it's phenomenal. And my dad only had a fourth grade education. We didn't even know. He knew those big words like phenomenal. And I tell you, I've never walked on the Sea of Galilee. I've never gone to the Holy Land. I've never gone to the empty tomb. I've never gone there at the Sea of Galilee where he walked on the water and all the things and the miracles he provided and performed during his earthly ministry. But I'll tell you one place I've been. I've been to Calvary. I've been there with the cleansing blood of the Lamb of God. She came down upon my soul and washed my sins away. And I've been there. And God has cleansed me and forgave me. Thank God for his sufficient grace. And I've never seen heaven. But I'm enjoying a little bit along the way. And I can say I've never seen it. I've not even seen the glimpse of my dad said. Or that he saw, but I can say, mm, it's phenomenal. I one of the best friends I've ever had in my life. He was a pastor of a church in Montana. I preached for him on numerous occasions. He called me one day and was broken, severely broken. I said, Preacher, what's wrong? And I'll not get into all the details, but the church had done him wrong. His boy had become the pastor and God was using him. Somebody had made a false accusation against his boy to get even with his daddy. He was in the hospital and had massive heart attacks because of the stress. I closed our ministry down and went up and spent a week with him and sat by his bedside, praying with him, trying to console him, comfort him. He even come to the place at one time, he says, preacher, just let me die. Just let me die. <clears throat> I said, I'm not going to do that. You've been a friend, I'm going to be a friend. Amen. And by the grace of God, there'll be a ministry when I get back, but if not, your friendship's more important at this point. Amen. I watched God raise a man from the point of death. And God would put his hand on him. And God would uphold him and undergird him with his grace. And God would give him strength and power as he waited upon the Lord. And accordance to the Bible in the book of Isaiah, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
And God raised him up off his deathbed and went on to do a great ministry. And God had his hand upon him. I'm telling you tonight, in the direst, darkest of circumstances, the grace of Almighty God is more than sufficient. Then tonight, if you would please, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse number 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and watch this, find grace to help in time of need. Notice he says, find grace to help in time of need. I'm strengthened by grace. When I can't go another mile, another inch, God somehow gives me the strength to go on, to press on. May I say to you, my friend, it, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be in the ministry. You don't have to be a missionary. You just name the name of Christ. Yea, all that live God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. And I'm telling you that disappointments will come our way. But there's strength in the grace of God. Notice, if you would please, if I could just mention this, and I'll move on tonight. I'm reminded of a teacher that was giving swimming lessons and as they stood by the shore he had two students uh, that were standing and another one that was out trying to swim and uh, finally they fatigued and was given out. The student was cocky and arrogant said I can do that, that's no problem. And all of a sudden got uh, swimmer's cramps and the muscles tied in knots and started uh, flaying and struggling for his life. And the students were frantic, saying to the teacher, go save him, go save him. And he stood there watching him flounder and bob up and down in the water. After a while, the student went under, and for a few seconds, he didn't come back. At that moment, the teacher and instructor dove in and swam out and, and brought the young man back to shore and revived him. The students were frantic and said to him, you almost let him die. Why didn't you go after him while he was drowning? The teacher looked at him and said in his wisdom, had I gone out there at that moment, we both would have drowned. I had to let him wear himself out doing it his way before I could save him. And my friend, that's exactly the way it is in our life sometimes. Sometimes God has to step back, take his hands off until we have done our part. And when we're falling and failing and when we have nowhere else to turn, we turn to God and God comes on the street, seen undergirds us, loose us up, and by his marvelous grace, he strengthens us and empowers us. Preacher, can I go ahead? I don't want to. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 7. I promise to be brief. Ephesians 2, 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. Notice I'm supplied by grace. I've heard testimony after testimony about how God's provided during this coronavirus. Isn't it a miracle? So many people out are not able to go to work and yet the money's coming in. Isn't it a miracle how God's providing for his people? It ought not to surprise us. Are we surprised by grace? But the great God of heaven who supplies all of our need according to the riches of his grace. Alexander the Great had a general in which he was favorite, uh, favorite to him. And he went to him one day and said to him, in honor of your service, I want you to go to the treasury and you request any amount of money you want. 
It, you have card blank. Anything you want, you can have it. Whatever number and amount of money you want, just go to the treasury. He had told the treasurer, whatever this general wants, you give it to him. But when the general went to the treasurer and made his request, it was such a large sum, he wouldn't give it to him. When Alexander the Great found out, he called the treasurer in for stern rebuke and said, I commanded you to give him the resources he asked for, regardless of its limit. Why did you not? He said, but the amount was so large. Do you know how much it was? He said, I don't care how much it was. The great request he gave showed that he has confidence in my supply. That's exactly the way it is with God. What have you asked God for that's great lately and trusted the sufficient grace of Almighty God to supply? May I say to you, a little boy out of seven and came from a poor family was uh, in a wreck and taken to the hospital and uh, they were used, you know, if they had a half a glass of milk, they were doing well, but if they had a full glass, that meant they had to share it with their other siblings. He went into the hospital, and sure enough, they got him settled in, and the nurse came to him with a full glass of milk. He looked at it, puzzled, and said, but I have no siblings here. Why do I have a full glass of milk? How much shall I drink? She said, drink it all, young man, drink it all. May I say to you tonight, why don't we drink from the sufficient fountain of God's eternal grace and know and live by faith and know that he owns a cattle of a thousand hill and his grace is all sufficient and he is not limited in our request. May I say to you, God's grace is sufficient. And then, if I can close with this thought and we'll get ready for the invitation. Paul was writing his first letter to the church at 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse 8 through 10. And he says this, and I'll read it in preparation for closing. And last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles. That am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. May I say to you, and I believe I can say it, I, I believe I've got this title right in my text. Paul was surprised by grace. I said a minute ago, we ought not to be surprised when God supplies. He's promised. But I'm surprised that God, out of all humanity, would choose uh, to allow me to receive the gospel and receive his son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. I'm shocked and amazed that God would put his hand on a country boy uh, born over in Chatsworth, Georgia, and was a low-down, no-good scoundrel of a young man and a teenager. And I'm shocked and amazed. I'm surprised that the grace of God would come down and call him into the gospel ministry. I'm surprised that God would allow his preacher to live by faith for 34 years and day by day, moment by moment. I'm surprised at the grace of God. It overwhelms me sometimes to know what God's done in my life. I'm taken back by the goodness of Almighty God. I'm telling you tonight, thank 
God for his amazing grace tonight. Hallelujah. So grace, the grace of God is sufficient tonight and more than I need. Grace covers it all. Fathers, we bow before you now. Bless your people. And Lord, I personally tonight want to say again, Oh, Father, thank you for your grace. You've been so good to us, Lord. I'm afraid we're not expressing our gratitude and our gratefulness and our thankfulness enough. Help us tonight, Lord. There may be those tonight facing obscure circumstances. The dark clouds seem to be rolling in. Life is bleak. Seem like nothing else to live for, no hope of tomorrow. But God, your grace is sufficient. Your grace will help them stand. Your grace will give them strength. Your grace will secure them. Help us now tonight, I pray in Christ's name. Heads bowed and eyes closed as pastor comes to take the invitation tonight.